0: Morning
1: Crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We have Gonzo, the Super G, Andrew Cashflow, also known as the Cashflow King, and Mr. Johnny Crypto will be joining us very soon, so I'm very excited for this episode. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we will be discussing how Kevin O'Leary stated sacrifice is necessary for institutional adoption. As the crypto market continues to evolve, we break down what, are, what many are calling a planned demolition. Coinbase is warning of two possible Ethereum killers, while Goldman Sachs breaks down the functions of each cryptocurrency. ETH, ADA, and XRP classifications, those are worth mentioning. A Ripple study found that 75% of institutions will be using crypto services in the next three years as an innovative new NFT project is launched, allowing investors to own a portion of an athlete's success. BlackRock is betting on a small capitalization energy web token with carbon credits soon to take center stage. We show our listeners a project that these billionaires are betting on. While former Goldman Sachs analyst Rahul Paul states a market bottom is in. With the market becoming increasingly bullish, we discuss why 2023 is the year we've all been waiting for. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Gonzo, we got a small group here, but we got plenty of news this morning. I'm super excited for this
2: episode. How you feeling, my friend? I'm feeling good, man. I had a really good weekend. Um I kind of, um, I had to do some video editing. So I did like a whole crash course self-taught on um, iMovies. I usually do it on my phone or tablet and it's just way different on your MacBook. So uh, I was up really late on Saturday, but I got it all figured out. And so just, just adding to another skill. So it was cool. It was a great weekend, man. I'm truly, That's awesome, truly Gondo.
1: Mr. Andrew Cashflow, it's 5 PM in the Netherlands, but it is 11 AM on the East coast. How you feeling this morning, my friend? And what's on your mind?
3: Yeah, it's an it's an excellent day today. Again, beautiful weather here. We already have a heat wave uh, for several days. It's actually way too warm and too humid in the Netherlands. Same like Gonzo was working on my uh, on my investor course. Some videos, and you know, Gonzo, the more you do it, the more handy you get with it, and you know, then then you will uh, you will be you will master it. And uh, so yeah, I'm not the, gonna lie. You
2: know, I was totally I was totally lost. And because I'm stubborn, right? Instead of like trying to find a video, I just like to mess with it. And so it took me a while and it was so funny. It was my oldest daughter who used to, when she was younger, she'd make YouTube videos and she'd make funny like skits and stuff. And she happened to come by because she's moved out recently. She came by. And she's like, what are you doing, dad? So I told her and she's like, you know, I haven't used, uh, you know, iMovies in a while. I, I used to use Final Cut Pro. And then she gave me some of the shortcut commands and it was like a game changer. So, you know, I <laughs> called her yesterday. I owe you dinner, sweetheart. You really shortened up my, my, my learning curve. So it was nice.
1: That's awesome, Gonzo. So Johnny Crypto, he's not going to fire us this week because we are coming with the heat. And I want to remind our listeners that what you are working on for iMovie is for our Wednesday episode as we have billionaire Mark Yusko joining the show this Wednesday. We're going to start this thing off the same way we always do by showing you our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. At 3TGM Crypto, we go live twice a week and we're always on there. So go smash that follow button. Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index, we're sitting at a 45, slowly climbing this morning, but still in moderate fear. And that's for good reason. The coin market cap, continues to climb. We are sitting at 1.4, sorry, $1.14 trillion in global market cap. Bitcoin is 40%. Ethereum is 20%. Bitcoin is sitting at $24,100 this morning. Ethereum is $1,900. Cardano is $0.55. Cents. XRP is $0.37. Cents. Polygon is $0.95. Cents. And Polygon is a project that I've been very, very excited about. So it's good to see it continue bullish after that amazing month in July. We've got Stellar at $0.12. Cents, Algorand at $0.35. VChain at $0.03. Cents, Dara is 7 and Quant is dipping this morning at 118. Gonzo, I'd love to hear some of the projects that you're watching. What are some of the things that you're keeping an eye on heading into September? Many people are excited for the Ethereum merge. What are you anticipating?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, over the weekend, uh, one of my sell orders from Ethereum kicked in. Uh, it was at $2,000. So that happened. Um, you know, I haven't really been dollar cost averaging um, a- as much as before. I'm picking my spots, right? So more like H bar. Gala, Algorand that haven't gone up that much that are my long-term holds. Uh, but more than anything else, I've been just, just investing in myself um, and just, you know, reading, researching, because that's the time to do that, like in a bear market, right? Um, you know, people need to remember, like, you're going to start to see, like, a lot of hype. Like, the, the thing with the Ethereum merge, right? Like, I'm of the opinion that, you know, um, my my highest sell order for Ethereum is at, like, 2200 It Could it go higher? Yeah, Maybe. I, if I miss out, great, right? I, not great, but like I'm okay with that. But like I was seeing influencers talking about that it's going to go to 5k. I don't know about that because while I think that Ethereum is going to outperform Bitcoin right now in the short term and it could and it's leading the market, we're still in a bear market, right? We are still in a bear market, and I think um, you know as human beings we have short attention spans, and then all of a sudden you start to see this price movement. And it's really not that much. If you look at Bitcoin, I mean, it barely made it over 25K over the weekend and came back down. But you're going to start to see mainstream media and a lot of influencers talking about this thing's over. We're going to talk about where old Paul talking about the bottom. And even then, even when the bottom is in, guys, it's just like the lowest point. We still have to grind out of it. So it's not like, okay, we hit the bottom and then we go shooting back up. We don't, right? Whenever we hit that bottom, we still have about like a year of at those lower prices, kind of just moving sideways. So just keep that in mind, get your invest your investment strategy going, uh, and, and a plan. And, and then, you know, don't FOMO.
1: Exactly. Gonzo. And you know what? I was watching a BitBoy video this weekend talking about how, if we are entering a bear market, we may have reached our market low, but that doesn't mean we're going to climb much higher. We can range between this 20 and $30,000 range for another 18 months, but I want to kick it to Andrew Cashflow. Andrew Cashflow, we got over twenty-five thousand on Bitcoin this weekend. We were over two thousand dollars Ethereum. We know that the Ethereum merge is happening on September fifteenth, and that's what most people in crypto are excited about. What are you keeping an eye on in these upcoming weeks?
3: Yeah, exactly. Uh, th- those two, uh, those two coins, Bitcoin and Ethereum, because they are uh, yeah the, the the leaders of the market, and as they they go, the rest of the market goes. So I see very nice. Uh, uh, uh yeah higher lows and higher highs on at least on the short term so that's a good sign um as soon as the merge with ethereum will take place i actually expect a drop of ethereum because that's that's because of uh, yeah sell or buy buy the rumors sell the news uh it's going so fast up now that uh, a correction is inevitable so keep that in mind um it's now up from from the from the bottom Ethereum. It's now up, yeah, 135%. Isn't that insane? And uh, so I would say, just stick to your strategy. You know, I've already told uh, about about the dollar cost averaging strategy, the price cost averaging strategy. Several people are now testing uh, my new course about those two uh, those uh, ma- major strategies. You will never buy too uh, too expensive, and you will always lower your uh, uh, entry, your average, your average cost. So, you know, um, it's just a waiting game, and money will flow from the from the patient or from the inpatient hands to the patient hands. And this is what we should do. If you are not in yet, you might could say, okay, I dollar cost average in. So that means every month a little bit, but I would say no FOMO at the moment. Don't, don't do it.
1: And you know what's exciting, Andrew, is that even in terms of bear market, we, it does look like we've reached our market bottom lows here. We do have 191 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Johnny Crypto is going to be joining us any minute. So if any of our listeners are wondering, the Italian Stallion will be here soon. We're going to show you a very interesting tweet here from Peter Schiff showing that Bitcoin, he believes, is going to touch all the way down below $10,000 in these next coming weeks. We've talked about how people are getting increasingly bullish on Twitter. Well, Peter Schiff is a known crypto bear. Gonzo, do you take these seriously? And what do you think about a $10,000 Bitcoin? Of course, guys like us would use that as an amazing buying opportunity. But I think the rest of retail would be fudded out.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, like, you know, um, we're still leaning into that. We think we get a correction in the fall, right? For uh, a lot of different reasons that we've stated. But if we go 50% from here, we end up somewhere around like 14,000, right? And I don't think it's unreasonable to think 10 to 14,000. Now, the way I look at Ethereum is, you know, Ethereum's doing much stronger. So if we go 50% from here... We're looking at where we were at before, which is like a thousand. Right. And that's why it said before anything a thousand or below on Ethereum is a great buy. And like, you know, uh, Andrew said, we're up one hundred and thirty percent. Right. Um, so anything's possible. I mean, could could we have been could have this been the bottom and now we're just going to range for a while? It could be. But uh, I'm still leaning because of the macro, because of the eclipses, because of the Fed. All of those things, you put those all together, and that tells me that um, we have another leg down coming in the fall. That's what I'm leaning towards.
1: So, you are anticipating another leg down, but I'm going to kick it right to you, Andrew Cashflow. I'm really interested to see if we're going to touch as low as people are anticipating, right? Because even if we go to 14,000, but retail is waiting for 10 to get involved, you're missing out on the opportunity possibly of a lifetime. But I'm more excited about some of these other DeFi assets, such as ADA, XRP, and even Ethereum. Ethereum is going to perform great, especially after the merge, the next 12 to 18 months. I'm going to be really excited about Ethereum. But Cashflow, what are you
3: watching? Um, Actually, I also wanted to say a little bit about Bitcoin. Exactly this diagram, because the lower white line that is written here or drawn here, a lot of people are looking at that line. So that means it is self, it will become a self-fulfilling prophecy, probably. So if it goes down, that's really the bottom. And that's the long-term bottom. But when it will hit, nobody knows, of course. But th- this is exactly the way how you draw these kind of lines when you're a trader or, or an investor. And it also means prepare yourself for being. Yeah, to to enter when it goes down. So always make sure you have money on the sidelines, so that from this top, in, if it drops 20, 30, 40 percent, yeah, you you have money left over to to invest in. So you are you are muted, uh, apps. You're muted. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew.
1: Sorry about that. It is Monday morning. I do want to kick it to Gonzo for one final question here because we're getting comments yeah. on the Flare Network. And Gonzo, I know you know so much about Ethereum. How do you feel about the real-world utility of Flare Network? And could that pose a threat to Ethereum? Because we know it offers many of the same DeFi services.
2: You know, I I don't know about like a threat because, you know, Ethereum has such a huge lead, right? And, it, you know, people, even though the gas fees things, right, I, I get it. But people are comfortable with using Ethereum. They know how to use Ethereum. So you, you can't like second guess that like first person or first mover advantage. Right. Um, cause we always know that not, it's not always the best technologies that win. So even though the tar- technology might be better, they're kind of behind. Do I think they're going to do well? I do think, cause like when you look at their technology and what they're trying to do, as far as we know that with bridging, right. That's where usually cryptos get hacked. They have a very unique technology that they use by, for bridging that's called um, Layer Cake or Cake Layer. I always confuse them. Um, and so I think that's why it's taking so long because they're trying to do more than just the DeFi space. Um, but I, I, I will point out that it was months ago that I made that bet with Selman when we had no idea, we had no date yet, right? They had moved the difficulty bomb. And, and then Flair came out saying, oh, okay, Flair in September. And I said, I bet you the Ethereum merge happens first. And then here we are, we have a date and we still don't have a date for Flair. But I know when with the uh, founder, he had come out when he was up with the bearable bull and he had talked about that, you know, they shouldn't have given it out a date, that they're not going to do that from now on. So I think that's why we don't have a very specific date. But, you know, they're, they're definitely trying to make themselves – Uh, more than just a a DeFi application. They're trying to make themselves more of a connection point for different blockchains. And I think that's where the future is, right? That's where we're going. And that's kind of where they're taking their time.
1: Gonzo, and I feel like the basis of a lot of the Flare Network investors' frustration is that they continue to announce dates, and then those dates would come and go, and they'd move that deadline six months ahead. And they did that two or three times. So I do think it's justified that many of the investors who are involved and excited about this project initially, will they become extremely frustrated? We got 207 live listeners out there. We're going to dive into... Oh, yeah. We're going to dive into some BlackRock news. We're going to dive into some Ethereum news. But first, we're going to talk about a planned crypto demolition and how this market is going to go through an evolution process. This is from the Digital Asset Investor. He puts out phenomenal XRP content. So if you guys are looking for another influencer or educator to look for, this is a great account. We're going to let this clip play and get some comments from the group. Here we go.
4: We're going to see real hardship around the world. The the, uh, the UN is saying we're looking at hundreds of million people and maybe in starvation. Um, uh, you know, uh, Jamie Dimon has said a hurricane is coming. I think it's a force force five uh, tsunami. I think it's going to uh, do, do a lot of destruction. But you know, you know, creative destruction, right? We need to destroy, destroy a lot of fluid models, a lot of fluid thinking, a lot of flawed policy responses. Um, and uh, once we get through that, I have no doubt the future of finance will be digital,
1: will be networked. Boom. You heard it right there. And I don't think it's a hidden anymore. We're getting really excited about the natural evolution of the banking industry, but we're going to talk about DeFi and other protocols as well. How do you feel about this, Gonzo? The fact that for this, for this entire market to evolve, for institutions to come in and regulation to actually push this market into a 10 $14, 15000000000000 trillion market, First, a lot of projects are going to have to fall. And I think that's exactly what they're discussing here. Maybe you can talk about what you think is going to succeed and how do you feel about that demolition?
2: Yeah, you know, I I think they're right because, you know, uh, Mr. Wonderful, Kevin O'Leary talks about this, about like, that's what happens in bear markets. Things get exposed, right? So bad business models get exposed. Over-leveraging gets exposed. And then what happens is the good business models rise to the top. It's not unique to cryptocurrency, but I think it's it's unique to uh, the finance world and um, new asset classes, right? Uh, It happened before, like in money markets. It's happened uh, in other legacy financial systems. And so that's what we're going through. When you go through bear markets, that's where you build. And then things that um, are not feasible, go away. And so I, I think he's spot on. I, I think with, with Terra Luna, it went away because, um, you know, it, we know that algorithm stable coins have not worked. Right. We, we saw that a lot of platforms were over leveraged, bad business models and they went away. Right. And so the good business models are going to rise to the top and that pushes us forward. And then once we get m- more of that, more stability, and then we get regulation, right. That's where all the money, all the sovereign wealth funds, the retirement funds, they'll feel more comfortable because they have clarity because their whole thing is they don't want to cross the SEC. And because the SEC keeps messing with us, right, those guys are very hesitant. But once they get clarity because they don't want to cross the SEC because of how they do business, um, you know, they're going to give like 1% to 3% of billions and billions of dollars, right? And so that's going to move the asset class up.
1: Uh, Andrew Cashel, I'd love to go to you next. We're about to cover an article from Kevin O'Leary talking about how this market to evolve, certain projects need to fail, and Tornado Cash was a great example. How do you feel about the fact that for this market to succeed, people are going to have to lose money, right? When we talk about projects failing, that means regular everyday investors are going to lose funds on a lot of these projects. So how can they navigate this space correctly and not get involved in many of the projects that are going to (laughs) fail?
3: You know, they don't have to lose money. However, you must see it like this. They are all, many of the cryptos, almost every, they are all start-up companies. So, let me tell you something. How do you invest in a start-up company? You know, 90% of all startups will fail. That's, that's a given. And maybe there are beautiful people, very nice, they're all working hard, but 90% will fail. So, how do you invest? You invest, you select 10 start-up companies, at least. And you invest the, the same amount of money in every startup company, then you know nine will fail, one will succeed. So that means that this one, if that goes maybe 100x, will pay for all the others. So I always say, especially in the smaller crypto coins, do not invest more than two to $500. So then maybe you invest in 10, maybe 20, maybe 30 cryptos no more than two to five hundred dollars. also invest in stages first here and then wait for 25 percent drop, wait for another 25 percent, etc. and in this way you you hedge yourself and and you are comfortable that you know you will lose uh, uh, yeah 90 percent of, of the of, of the crypto coins but it doesn't matter because you know at least there must be in in 30 cryptos three should be more or less okay so that's how, how, how I look at it and actually what G- Gondo said about the, the stable coins they will not work. I'm sure they will figure out a way how stable coins will work in the future. However, we have not invented it yet because there are too many loopholes and and small difficulties that still has to be solved. Will it be only technical in stable coins? I don't know. Technolog- te- technological will it also be a part uh, maybe uh, regulation maybe maybe a combination of both we don't know but it would be great if we have a stable coin where we can trust on where we can rely on and at this moment there are no stable coins what what i'm looking for is a stable coin not connected to the dollar but to something else to to naya yeah, maybe a combination of Bitcoin, Ethereum, and and maybe other major coins. Andrew Cashflow, it sounds like
1: you're an advocate of the BRICS nation's currency.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Is that true? (laughs) Maybe not an advocate, but I understand how it can work. And and is the dollar the most important... Andrew's just trying
2: to make money, man. That's why he's Cashflow, bro. Andrew Cashflow.
1: <laughs> Honestly, Andrew Cashflow, that's a great place for me to plug this in. We got 248 live listeners. Show us some love. Smash that like button on this beautiful Monday. I am adding Johnny Crypto to the stream as we speak. Johnny Crypto, quick introduction for our listeners out there. As somebody commented, is this title FUD? It is absolutely not. And we're going to show you the documents to prove it. But Johnny Crypto, how you feeling on this beautiful Monday? Well, first of all, can you guys even hear me?
2: Because I'm... <laughs>
0: I'm trying to put the whole setup back together. Yeah, yeah,
2: we can hear you. All
0: right, You're good. can well,
2: you got your background and everything looking sharp.
0: Yeah, trying to get the background going, the new microphone, the camera, everything. I, you know, it was raining out on Abs's rear deck, so I wasn't able to stay outside. So I'm in here in his, in his, uh, he got this one bedroom here. So I'm in the bedroom here. I'm trying to hide everything. But Classic first of all, good, good morning to all the Warrior Maniacs out there. Good morning to Super G and Andrew Cashville. Hopefully you guys are all doing well. Great to see you guys, and uh, I'll try to chime in here. Or I'll try to hop in on the conversation going forward. Awesome,
1: guys, and we're going to start diving into this right now as we have a Goldman Sachs document from May 21st of 2021 breaking down which cryptocurrencies are actually classified as currencies and which ones are classified as smart contract platforms, application and utility platforms, or just application platforms. As I scroll down to this list, there was a couple of projects that stuck out to me. Clearly, Bitcoin is a currency. Everybody can see that. Everybody already knows that. Ethereum was listed as a smart contract application. Binance Coin was listed as an application currency. Cardano was a smart contract application currency. But XRP itself, well, that was as regular as it can get because that is considered a regular global currency. Mr. Johnny Crypto, I'm sure you got some comments on this. So we'll start off with and then work our way down. How do you feel about this news addressing XRP as a currency from Goldman Sachs?
0: Well, I mean, first of all, we all, everybody in the real world knows that XRP is a currency. So there's no surprise there, right? We just don't know what's going on behind the scenes and why we're sitting here having this freaking stupid lawsuit that makes zero sense. Obviously, you know, what they might have done back in 2013. Okay, back then, maybe the way they operated, it wasn't necessarily a uh, a currency. uh, Or you could argue that it might, they might have operated on the security. But just remember, they all did that. (laughs) <laughs> Especially Ethereum. They were the biggest violators of them all. So if you're going to call that, you know, what the, the action they took back then as a security, you could you could then say, yeah, that maybe the action back then is a security and you can. And that's why I think they'll settle and they will say, yeah, OK, you're right. What we did back then. But what we're doing today is not for secure. It's already out there. It's being used as a currency. It's being used as, we just showed a chart last week. It's being used online. I keep saying online. On-demand liquidity, we know that it's increasing. It's being used as a freaking currency. I mean, come on, guys. What more do we need to say? Glad to see that Goldman Sachs is saying that because we know they're a big player in the game, and we need more people saying that. I think moving forward, we're going to end up getting to that ruling. So um, this is encouraging. Awesome, Johnny Crypto. You came in. And
1: you didn't miss a beat, my friend. I want to kick it to Gonzo here, but I want to read the description of what XRP actually is from Goldman Sachs. XRP is a real-time settlement system, exchange, and remittance network that facilitates cross-border payments for financial institutions. So it can't be a security because it has real-world utility. Gonzo, what does this mean to you?
2: Yeah, you know, it, it, like Johnny said, it doesn't. It's something that we already knew, right? Most of the world, though, if you look, we've seen that that that, uh, that little picture that uh, I, I want to say Instagram, but it's an infogram, whatever they're called, um, that shows that around the world, XRP is considered a currency, only here it's considered a security, right? It's ridiculous. John Dean is talking about this, where the SEC really screwed us as XRP investors, where like Johnny said, they could have just said that hey you know what you guys sold xrp as a security at the beginning but any future sales of xrp are not a security right it's the fact that they looped it all in in the lawsuit and now even after sales that come after are still considered a security is kind of what screws us as investors but um you know i, I think I'm, I'm still leaning towards that we're going to win the case right that they're going to win the case Um, And it was funny because I was talking to Shelly about this weekend because, you know, as I did a lot of research for Ethereum and other projects, she hasn't heard me talk about XRP that much. And she was like, but wait, I I thought it was about XRP. And it got me thinking about like, because it was the original one of the original cryptos like I got into. And and really, we talk about regulation and that we're looking for clarity. We're going to get that. And, And I'm not trying to get anybody to FOMO in and I'm not predicting prices. But as far as regulation and clarity, we're about to get that good or bad, however it plays out. We're going to get that. And if we get that in the win, then XRP and Bitcoin and possibly Ethereum, because sometimes they say Ethereum is a commodity, sometimes that they don't. They, they for 100% say Bitcoin's a, a commodity. So that one has a clear. But XRP will be the other one, right, where we'll have a clear definition because of this case on on what it is. And if it's not a security and it's a currency, uh, you know, I think we're going to off to the races.
1: Andrew Castle, I think it's important to note that in the UAE and in Japan right now, XRP is already classified as a currency and it has been for several years. But what does this Goldman Sachs news mean to you before we show our listeners a document from Harvard stating that XRP may be a currency?
3: Um, the, you know, the, the, the most important thing about XRP is, especially for investors, it has utility. And it, I think it has the biggest utility in the world. You know, and that is why it is so extremely important. Um, I, li- I like that very much. And uh, yeah, you know, and you see on the other side of the world, Japan, uh, Korea, uh, uh, Taiwan, maybe I don't know, all those all those all those con- countries in the east. Yeah, they are using more and more and more uh, the 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 uh, the the XRP yeah application, the on-demand liquidity and that's not all i think for xrp that is only the beginning for xrp you know on 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 demand liquidity because there is so much more possible on that xrp ledger like uh, like 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 nfts and other kind of applications and so uh, we we ain't seen nothing yet at the moment about xrp
1: Exactly. And I can only imagine when smart contracts and DeFi are launched on the Flare network, which is going to increase the market cap of XRP. Johnny Crypto, I want to ask you a question. We got a very good comment from one of our loyal listeners, Mentelect here, that says currencies do not have market caps. And I think that's a great point. What does that mean to you when they start classifying these crypto projects as currencies or assets or as many would say securities? What do you think is going to indicate whether these are actually currencies or maybe a different asset class?
0: Well, actually, so that's very interesting. Cur- cur- currency what is currency this is problem number this is problem currency number is one. debt <laughs> this is problem number one because the reality is <clears throat> when you think of the u.s dollar and if you want to think of it as a currency when it first came out it did have a cap that's why it was tied to gold so basically whatever we had in gold the currency just represents, you know, this, this fake, fake paper here, right? That, well, whatever you want to call it is um, I don't have dollars on me because they're fake, but um, if I had some, I'd be able to show you that they represented. Yeah, exactly. What uh, you know, whatever we had for gold in Fort Knox and wherever else we stored the gold. So that was in a sense, a cap, if you will, or a market cap on that. And then when they disconnected it, now they've convinced everybody like, Oh yeah, there's no cap. That's not true. There really is. There should, there should be. Because if it existed, we wouldn't be able to have inflation. We only have inflation, and and I can't wait to have our boy go on Wednesday, guys. Make sure you tune in on Wednesday. We have the we have we have we have a super high. Uh, we have a great guest coming on on Wednesday that that's really into the head. You know, he's a hedge fund uh, hedge fund manager who who's going to talk more about this kind of stuff. But yeah, so interesting. So I actually want to see market. I want to see caps. Uh, And when I say caps, I'm talking about like maximum caps, you know, to the amount of currency you can actually print. So I'm assuming that's what you mean when you say market cap or are you talking about just the valuation of a currency? No, capitalization. You had it right. Yeah. So in that case, you know, I personally want to see a market cap. I want to see a maximum coin supply for any one of these cryptocurrencies out there because then they can't dilute us as the shareholders or us as the token holders as we hold these tokens. I mean, the guys in control could just say, oh, let's keep flooding the market with more of these things. And now we're right back in the same position as we are today with the the U.S. dollar. So uh, let's hope that that doesn't happen.
1: Exactly. And that's why so many of these assets right now are deflationary, right? That's why they have a hard cap. But we got 260 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We are showing you a document from Harvard Law School. Well, it states that they know XRP is a currency. So I'm going to read this and then we'll get some comments from the group cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Ripple are a type of digital currency that rely on cryptography to verify secure transactions. So basically what they're saying there is that these are cryptocurrencies. Currencies is the most important word, not securities. Andrew Cashflow, what does this indicate to you? Ah, the mute button. Mute
3: button, Andrew. It's an open door. Bitcoin, Ethereum, Ripple. I mean, we are all the time saying it's a currency. So. and uh and and that, that's your whole essence of you know let's let's don't make it more difficult than it is because then they rely on cryptography and blah 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 actually the whole blockchain is a uh is a big database which we call a blockchain and all the transactions are just stored all over the world and that's why it makes it so valuable and that's why it also makes it transparent and important and so painful for governments so that they cannot print any money and any to, to, to oblivion so yeah i uh, not sure what, what to say more about it but um i'm, I'm, I'm yeah you know i'm a very enthusiastic uh, guy about uh, about cryptos and tokens and blockchains and uh, teaching the stuff and so uh yeah.
1: Awesome. One of the things that's very clear is that the SEC is clearly biased in labeling XRP as security. That way they can grab hold of this market. But one of the things we know, and this is not up for debate, is that in the UAE, XRP is a currency. In Japan, XRP is a currency. Goldman Sachs has now listed XRP as a currency. And we have an old document from Harvard Law School also stating Ripple XRP is a currency. So the fact is that the SEC seems way out of line. And I only think that the realist and the real you know, opinions in this market are going to come to fruition. Gonzo, I'd love to get some comments from you if XRP is labeled a security, if it is, which we know it is not, but if that does take place, what do you think will be some of the repercussions from that? And are they going to have to relocate outside of the United States?
2: Um, So I I think if they, you know, if they, let's say they do lose. Yeah. um, I think Ripple will make moves to be outside of the U S because it'll just be easier. Maybe they'll have a satellite office because it seems like they're trying to build offices around the world. Uh, But I know he's talked about leaving the U S Um, And then what comes into question is uh, now we're all owners of a security. And so are you a qualified investor? Right. Even though like I know that they are changing those laws that's coming up. Um, So, uh, yeah, it's it's really it's really interesting. I try not to like I I guess I try not to go there. But yeah, I mean, basically, we'd have to figure out what happens now. Right. Because we're holding this thing. Um, and now it's considered security. If you're, if they start to put it under, or like, you know, stocks or how you invest as far as being i um, uh, I'm saying qualified investor, but there's another term for it. Credited. Um, accredited. Cre- yeah. Accredited investor. Right. Do they start looking at it like that? Like you have to be an accredited investor to own it and stuff. Right. Cause you can still trade in securities. Right. It doesn't just make it go away. But really, I I think what's more important about that and what Harvard's talking about is is where cryptocurrency is going, right? It's the digitization of finance, right? That's one part of it. And then where we're going with the non-financial part of it, which is like just the blockchain technology, whether it's our supply and demand problem, whether it's like the medical field, whether it's like identity, there's all these different use cases that are coming um, besides the financial part.
1: Exactly. And Johnny Crypto, I want to go to you next. Justin G commented, what is Ethereum's maximum supply? We know that you always make reference to this, but we're showing our listeners a document from Harvard stating that XRP is a currency as well as Bitcoin and Ethereum. 275 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Elbow that like button while Johnny Crypto gives us his take on this article.
0: Well, first of all, you know, sometimes when people talk in language, you have to be careful because the word digital currency that's just the word being thrown around. When you get into legal terms and definitions, that's where it really matters. So it's easy to kind of twist and throw and say, oh, yeah, they call it a digital currency. Well, that might have just been because they were thinking of the word cryptocurrency. The real legal definition is the only definition that matters. And that's what we're going to find out in the court case. But in terms of the question that you asked, I forgot who it was name was justin or somebody asked you know what is max coin supply for ethereum that's a great question guess what guys <laughs> you know what it is there is none and that's a freaking problem because it's like the us dollar they can just continue you know if your boy vitalik there wants to keep just adding new coins to the market and he will when when his you know when his big boys are whoever his real people behind him tell me he's going to do it he's going to do it and he'll dilute it and he won't give a shit and any goddamn thing anybody can do about it if you own ethereum your ethereum value is going to go down and they'll do it when when it's pumping, so you kind of really don't notice it at first, and then all of a sudden, like wow, you get hit with this again. What the hell just happened? Oh, and you go look. Oh, they just added to the coin supply, and you know, so they can do that. It's very very scary when 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 that's the thing I always there, look. For. I know
2: there is no max supply on it, Johnny, but like the issuance weight drops as it goes to proof of stake, right? And so that that does cause when you have the burning mechanism, and then they're making less per day. Right. And then you have some that are sold. It still causes supply, a supply and demand issue. Right. That's where we get the price appreciation. We don't know what happens way in the future, but for the next, like, you know, five years, um, you know, it could be deflationary at some points. Right. But you're right. We have no idea what, what, what he can do in the future. Right. And we know that Vitalik and Vitalik is, he's proven that he doesn't care about the price of Ethereum. He's all about the technology, right? He's trying to expand the technology of Ethereum.
1: Johnny, we got a good good comment from Mentalect here, and I keep bringing up his comments, but he said, I thought Nixon doomed us when he took us off the gold standard. This weekend was after the 51st anniversary of when we were taken off the gold standard in 1971 or 1972. So it is pretty ironic. But why don't you close this out here. In the beginning of the episode, we had an open discussion about how with the Ethereum merge, we're pl- we're planning for a buy the rumor, sell the news type of situation. Maybe you could quickly summarize some of your opinions before we dive into a coin that BlackRock is holding that many people may not know about.
0: Yeah, listen, at the end of the day, first of all, Gonzo's the expert on that. So I actually defer to him on all the Ethereum stuff. But in terms of what's going to happen there in the news, 100%. You know, at the end of the day, until we really are kicking full steam, And and cryptocurrencies are the way the world works. And I personally don't think that's going to be until 2025 and beyond. The elites are going to continue to play this thing with buy the rumor, sell the news kind of play. And they do that in the regular stock market. So they ain't going to change it. But to me, that's what's going to happen. So for me, you know, yes, as soon as that news comes out, I've got my finger on the sell button on Ethereum. I can't wait to sell it. I'm ready to sell In fact, if God didn't think it was going to 22, I would have already sold it at 19 or 2000 last week. I'm waiting for his his target price there because I... I think he you know he's probably on to something. But yeah, I
2: already sold my first piece at two thousand though, right? Remember I'm staggered. I'm at two thousand
0: twenty one and twenty two. So oh there you go. There you go. So so to me it's gonna be one of those things where I am waiting for the news when the news comes out and plus kramer gave it the kiss of death so we already know that ethereum is just the way no i'm serious i'm not joking he no gave no it the, i
1: know it's just funny because last week i said the same thing when i saw the news and ethereum was 1900 you can ask i i
0: think i said it on the show i took a little bit of profit just because of what kramer said That's <laughs> a smart move you know for those of us who are buying this at a thousand bucks i mean you pretty much doubled your money what the frick more do you want if you're, if you're not taking some off the table now you're greedy um so at that point to me it's one of those things where very very close getting ready to sell it and um as more news comes out, we'll continue to sell it because I don't think it's going to carry it beyond, you know, until we're in full-blown use case, and that's when you're going to see a completely different valuation. Abs, remember that chart we keep talking about where 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 uh, you know the price it's of something, technology something, yeah, yeah. Then yeah. it comes flat, and then it comes back up again. We're kind of in that that speculation period is over. We've had that. Now we're in this more like flat zone where we're going to get some pumps here and there. And you have to take it. In my opinion, you have to take advantage of buy the rumor, sell the news. Exactly. Thank you, Johnny Crypto. We got
1: 275 live listeners out there. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're going to continue being the most consistent and bringing you the most relevant and impactful news every single day of the week. And this story, well, this one's very interesting as BlackRock's crypto address only had one token that many of our listeners may not be aware of. And we're going to break that down right here. Santiment, the address associated with BlackRock has recently gotten rid of their only holding, which is not a mainstream cryptocurrency, but a relatively small energy web token. The Energy Web token placed 189th in the top cryptocurrencies sorted by coin market cap, which is why it's considered a relatively small token. Also, why most of the crypto community was surprised to see it on BlackRock's wallet. BlackRock had about a million dollars of Energy Web Token and they sold it all over the weekend. But I do think it's worth mentioning that they're betting on some of these tokens that are going to take place and take advantage of the carbon credit market. We know we're going to zero carbon emissions and we know by 2030, you're going to own nothing and be happier than ever. Johnny Crypto, why don't you get us started off here? Energy Web Token, changing the game. Good to see BlackRock involved. What are some of your thoughts?
0: Wait, did it say BlackRock got rid of it? Yeah, BlackRock. So they purchased a bunch of this token, they made profit and they dumped it. Yeah, it's so funny because I remember, so I'm in these other group chats, right? And I remember about six months a year ago, they're all talking about energy web. You got to get in it. You got to get in it. You got to get in it, right? Because carbon credit. And and again, this is exactly what I'm talking about. The elites know you guys. They know your brains. They know how it works. Mine too. They know all of us. They know they're going to play you on emotion. They're going to build a story up, a nice narrative. They're going to tell you, and especially we all know the world's going green and carbon. They're going to play that so much like they never played a tune before. They're going to keep playing that. And you're gonna hear all about, you know, this green, this green that. And They're gonna tell you this is good, that's good. Meanwhile, they're already in. They're in. Now they're just pumping that so much as high as they can get it, and then they're gonna dump it on you. And there you go. Because I remember, wasn't this thing like at fifteen dollars at one point? I I'm think not, it was as high as like 22, fifteen. 20 Twenty-two. Twenty-two. Thank you, Andrew. You're the man. Twenty-two. Twenty-two. Where we say that today? Three bucks? You know? So to me, this is just how guys. This is how the game is played. That's why you want to click on the link below join the academy got a free link or when you're ready to level up you pay for the academy come in you you hang out with us we talk about this stuff all the time you know people throwing these ideas around we'll look at charts we'll do analysis we go a little deeper you can do consultations all that kind of good stuff um because this way you don't want to fall into that trap i almost did i had my eye on this one but then i'm like you know what I'm going to say, wait, I'm glad I didn't. Maybe now I'll buy it at 2 bucks. No, seriously. And I think that we should continue to cover the carbon
1: credit market because over these next three or four years, that's going to be one that's emerging and coming to the forefront. Who knows what the oil industry is going to be doing. People are calling for $200 barrels. Some people are calling for $600 barrels of oil. I honestly, I think we're going to see 60 before we see 200. But let's kick it to Gonzo. Gonzo, we're going to go to Andrew Cashflow. But I want to hear some of your thoughts on the Energy Web Token and the fact that these carbon credits, they're soon to take center stage.
2: Yeah. You know, it's funny Johnny mentions that because I did look into it uh, when I was looking into it. I want to say it was like $10 or something. And then it went Mm. up. But what I found interesting was, is that, so they sold it like $3 and 70 cents and it still went to an all time high after they sold. So I thought, I don't know what the price is today, but, but, but Johnny's right. Right. Like they were already in that story came out about, um, uh, them kind of owning it. And then all of a sudden now the story comes out that they dumped it. Right. Um, because it's on the blockchain and you can't hide anything on the blockchain. But you know, I do think it has its place, and I do think it has its future. I think we're just too early right now. Um, you know, definitely, uh, I, I think I want to do more research into it. And when we go down into this correction and we get to lower prices, why not, you know, like Andrew says, two to five hundred dollars, right? Put in a little investment and see what happens. But I think we're we're um, that's where we're going though, with the whole ESG environmental social oh. governance narrative. Uh, a lot of these companies are going to that, and a lot of these blockchains. We're going to see that more and more as climate change becomes a narrative. Um, you know, drought, heat waves, all that kind of stuff. That that becomes a huge narrative, and that green narrative. They're going to uh, these these um, blockchains that are uh, eco-friendly um, are, are going to have um, are going to have some serious price appreciation. Like, like Algorand, right? Algorand's one of them, right? That's really green. I mean, there's a use case for Algrine, but that's another one, right? That, that's very green. But I, I know that when I looked into energy web token, there were some major um, uh, electric, electricity or electric and gas companies that were kind of behind it or partnership with it. Like in California, we have PGE, Pacific Gas and Electric, but there were other ones across the United States. So I, I think you're right, this whole carbon credit thing, they they're trying to bring other things to their blockchain that have to do with energy. So um, I wouldn't buy right now, but definitely when we when we get near that bottom, if you awesome. want to do a speculative move. Thank you, Gonzo. And
1: we're going to show our listeners now a video talking about how the power is shifting away from the SEC and into the hands of the CFTC. Andrew Cashflow, we are going to start with comments from you, but first we're going to let this clip play. Here we go. We'll
4: keep building out the infrastructure. We'll weather the storms that are coming. We'll get to the the other side. A lot of the policy mistakes and the people responsible for that will, will wash out. We'll get to the inside. Younger thinking will come into play. A a generation that's grown up on a network will come into government, regulatory bodies, policymakers across the globe. They'll have a greater affinity to this. They'll, They'll think less defensively about the status quo and more offensively of how do we use this technology to advance.
1: And I think this is very prominent for people who are in the under 25 age group. If you're growing up right now and you're under 25 years old, you're going to be very familiar with cryptocurrency And if if you can only imagine a decade or even two decades from now, people of my age group, well, they're going to be using cryptocurrency, whether it's a Fed coin or an authentic decentralized currency, they're going to be using it as a means of exchange. But Andrew Cashflow, right now, the SEC is trying to take hold of this market and we can see the CFTC, well, they want their share. What are you anticipating? And what does that video say to you?
3: Now, first of all, when I look to that clip and I see these two guys, what do you think? I think they are lacking a lot of education. On, on the on the and, and a lot of um, uh, innovative thinking what are the possibilities with with crypto with blockchain and all what what's going to happen young people they they from from below 20 they will they will grow up with with this whole stuff if, even we do it because we are involved uh, day after day now currently with, with with this with this stuff so these guys are trying to to you know, to push and uh, to pressure something. In a, in a direction which is not a valid direction anymore. And currently, uh, it's just a a, a a simple fight between the FTC and the CFTC. Who has the biggest? Who has the biggest mouth? Uh, uh, who, who 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 is allowed to regulate this? Uh,
1: Andrew Cashflow, you asked something important. Who has the biggest mouth? I vote Johnny Crypto. Johnny Crypto, the CFTC, well, they've already stated that Bitcoin and Ethereum are probably commodities. And that's pretty exciting because the majority of crypto's market cap, well, it's in those two currencies. So how do you feel about the CFTC slowly gaining more control of this market and what that could mean for Gary Gensler?
0: I I like the fact that the CFTC is trying to take control of this market. I think that actually be maybe a better thing for it in general. Um, I just don't think Gary's going to let his claws, you know, out of this thing. And the reality is the way the, the regulation is written, or I should say the rule, um, they've already given the sec authority to define they're not taking away. There's no way Congress takes away the power of the sec. They're not going to do it. They're going to let the sec chime in here. They're going to force these two, these two, um, agencies to work together and they're, they're going to have to do it. And I think you're going to see a mixed bag, uh, between some that are going to be considered commodities some that are going to be currency, uh, securities, and it's going to be a freaking nightmare until they figure it all out. Uh, But I personally think that's what's going to happen. I hope I'm wrong, but that's what I think. And we're going to dive into our next
1: article for today as we have an article from Kevin O'Leary stating that sacrifice is going to be necessary for this market to continue to grow and succeed. Kevin O'Leary says sacrificing tornado cash was worth it for institutional adoption. He believes that crypto needs more regulation and less of these crypto cowboys trying to manipulate the market. Clamping down on crypto applications that mess with the primal forces of regulation is necessary, says Kevin O'Leary, who argued that tornado cash and similar services are preventing real institutional capital from entering the crypto space. Applications like crypto-based crypto mixer, a tornado cash, are part of the crypto cowboy culture that shouldn't have any place in this industry. Crypto needs a rule-based environment in order to attract real institutional capital into this digital asset industry, and much of that regulation needs to stamp out protocols such as tornado cash. We were fairly critical of what the SEC, or sorry, what the United States government did blacklisting tornado cash. But Kevin O'Leary is a little bit more optimistic. He says at the end of the day, it's okay to arrest that guy. Why? Because he's messing with the primal forces of regulation. If we have to sacrifice him, that's okay because we want to have some stability from that institutional capital. This is hilarious because of how cutthroat these guys are. They're willing to send a guy to jail and they're talking about it like it's just a complete joke, but Gonzo, I see you shaking your head. The floor is yours, my friend.
2: Yeah, dude. Uh, so, look, I, I, I'm all about regulation, but I, I totally don't agree. He, he's missing the point here, right? I don't think he even understands how Tornado Cash works. Tornado Cash is not an application, right? It's an op- open source. These guys are developers, and anyone can add to it or that anyone can use it, right? Now, obviously, I don't know what the details are of the arrest if this guy was more involved and actually had a hand in doing something. Let's assume that he did not, right? That he didn't do anything in furtherance of what he was charged for. It was just the mere, he, he's a developer, he wrote this code and he put it out there to the world, right? Th- this is this is crazy, right? This whole conversation is coming up about freedom of speech, right? Is, is open source like programming or things that you put out is that free speech, right? It's a. I think it's a slippery slope, right? When these guys start regulating that. And then now you have these other things that are going on, right? Where, um, so they banned it in the US, right? So now you have um, applications like Ave and Uniswap that now if you've interacted with the Tornado Cash Protocol, they're banning your wallet, right? And so what protesters are doing or I don't know if it's so much protesters or people just to mess with the system is they're sending out Ethereum to just public wallets, right? Cause all our wallets are out there in the public. So they're sending out 0.1 Ethereum to all these wallets. And these people have never even dealt with tornado cash, right? But you can't stop the transaction from being sent to you. Once it's sent, it shows up in your wallet. You've interacted with the protocol. And now if you go to use Ave or Uniswap, you're blocked, right? So I, I think it's a very slippery slope um, where all of a sudden you have this open source thing that's happening and now we're arresting people for it, right? You know, what's next?
1: Johnny Crypto, what's next seems to be more projects that are going to fall like this. Kevin O'Leary emphasized that until we get rid of this crap, there will be no stability from institutional capital. He wants to get involved in a regulated place where he can bring billions of dollars and put them to work. And I'm sure many institutions feel the exact same way. What does this article indicate to you about the fact that many projects are going to have to collapse for this market to continue to evolve?
0: Yeah, this, there's so much to unpack in this one article that I, we don't even have enough time. So I'll try to make it quick. But, you know, this gives you the insight into the minds of a billionaire and how they work. And they, they have no problem sacrificing other people. I'd love to see him sacrifice himself for his own money for the betterment of other people. But that ain't going to happen because that's why they're the billionaires. And the smart money lets the dumb money uh, sacrifice themselves. And, and they're happy to do that. Because then they can make more money. So that's all. This is just greed, pure greed that he has here to be able to see another human being, you know, get sacrificed. And the reality is, as Gonzo rightfully pointed out, this poor guy just wrote code. You know, somebody asked a question here. I want to pull this up. This is so important. They said, what's the difference between this guy and Bernie Madoff? There's a freaking huge huge difference between this guy and Bernie Madoff. Bernie Madoff knew exactly what he was doing when he took people's money and creating a Ponzi scheme. And then you knew the, the, the music was going to end sooner or later. And he was stealing money right from... This poor guy just wrote a program trying to try to help maybe the betterment of good, you know, of something and it got taken advantage of. And it completely did. It's night and day. And correct me if you disagree, Gonzo or, or Andrew. Well, situation.
2: yeah. I mean, and like I said, we, we don't know, right? I, I, we're we're going to base it on the fact that all he did was just write the code and that right. was it, right? Maybe right. they have more evidence that he was actually... He partook okay. in it or he had okay. knowledge well, yeah. that, that they were laundering money, right? Because if he didn't, then he's just then then you're right, Johnny. He's just writing he he's just writing code, right? Right. That, that's what it is. And and we need people like this to kind of like Andrew and I were talking about this morning, you need people like this to test the limits and to push us outward, right? This is how okay. we get innovation by pushing the limits.
0: But here's the problem, and I'll wrap it up with this. This is the biggest, but you said it actually already, but I'll just kind of reiterate it. It's a slippery slope because basically, what this is in a nutshell, it's censorship. That's it. At the end of the day, you just drive right back to the fact that if we're if we're gonna now be going after people who are writing open code, source code, and we're gonna hold them all responsible, you basically, in a nutshell, that's a, that's a form of censorship, and you're gonna see less and less innovation happening because now you're gonna go to jail for innovation, dude. We're literally we're gonna put people in jail for innovation. That's crazy. It that's is just crazy. A slippery slope. It is crazy, but
1: it's good to know that there's lots of rational minds in this market that are aware of this stuff and can hopefully push back against the entities collapsing in on innovation, right? Because we need innovation. Our financial system's outdated. Many of the technologies we use are outdated, and we don't even have a sustainable form of internet cash yet. So it's only inevitable that these cryptocurrencies are going to succeed. And that's what Raul Paul is saying right here, as he believes there's a 70% probability that the bottom of the crypto bear market came in this July. We've talked about how the market has turned overly bearish these last couple weeks because Ethereum and Bitcoin. I've been getting some good price action. Andrew Castle, I'd love to hear from you. Raul Paul says the market bottom is in. What does that
3: indicate to you? Yeah. If Raul Paul says, then it is true. Of course. Of course not. No, nobody knows. Nobody can predict the the, the, the future. And, you know, I, I like Raul Paul very much. I like his analysis. But I, I don't buy this this story. I mean, right. it can go up. It can go down. Just be prepared. If it goes up, have your strategy ready. If it goes down, have your strategy ready. You know, and it's I, I you know, I actually don't expect it from him. Or on the other hand, this is this is also manipulation. This is this is so this is so social sentiment, what he is pushing out. And yes. I don't like it from uh, Raul Paul because he is a serious guy, however, he is also a major investor. So
1: it's no. similar to when Michael Saylor comes out and says that he's bullish on Bitcoin, right? Like Raul Paul, we know he owns Ethereum. We know he owns Bitcoin. Obviously, he's going to be biased towards those assets going up. And that's pretty much what you're saying there. Correct, Andrew? Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So, so one negative point for uh, Raul Paul. Yeah, um, I, mean, I, 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 like
0: I want to build on this one. So I think that, you know, one of the things to remember that I would encourage everybody to do, when you hear these guys in the news, in the media, talking to you and telling you, This is in, that's in, the top is in, the bottom. And here's what I would encourage all you guys to do. Make sure that you go and you find out whoever that person is that's talking. Go find out where they worked. Did they work for a a Goldman Sachs or a JP Morgan or some other large firm like Raul Paul did and like Kramer did, right? These guys all work for the big boys. Okay. Guess what? When you work for a company, guess what? You form friends. You form partnerships. You form relationships, okay? It becomes who you know, what you know, and then you help each other out. So don't believe these guys are out there trying. I like Ralph Paul, Paul too, but then I read some stuff him that, that made it clear he's also part of the Rat Snake Weasel Club. And so at the end of the day, you've got to be very careful with all these guys. Go find out where they work. Go find out who their friends with, and then you're going to know who they're really serving at the end of the day. And let me tell you something. It ain't serving you and me. And Andrew, I like him too, but I'm also very weary. Whenever anybody's predicting a top or a bottom, you know they're probably setting up the, the little guy for a slaughter.
1: Johnny Crypto, and I want to read one more quote before we kick it to Gonzo. The other big players in the space now, the hedge funds, the macro funds, and the institutions, they're all a function of liquidity. And when liquidity is more available and cheaper for them, they can apply more leverage essentially to their portfolios, which means to the crypto market. Gonzo, why don't you wrap us up real quickly on what Raul Paul is saying here?
2: yeah like you know money makes money is basically what he's saying right and, and that's what i think he's trying to drive here i know everybody's point is you know if he can call a bottom and i love raul paul right but like just like with anybody else that i love or that i follow you know i take it with a grain of salt and, and and i do my own research right could the bottom be in maybe i think it's a low percentage right the four-year cycles are still alive and well until we go away from that right like ethereum Right? It's leading the market right now. In order for us to now, all of a sudden, not be in a bear market, let's say Ethereum explodes and it goes past 2200, it does the 5K thing they're doing. It would be the first time ever that Ethereum has decoupled from Bitcoin, has decoupled from the rest of the market and did something totally different and unique, right? Is that possible? Of course, anything's possible. But when you go risk reward on it, do we look at history? Do we look at the charts and what's happened before? Or the first time that something happens and you got to balance that out. Right. And that's why we talk about dollar cost averaging. When we were down at those lows, we were telling you guys, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm buying just in case. Right. And so we go up, we put it on pause. If we get a correction, like we say we are going to get one, we continue to dollar cost average. If we go back up, we slow down. And so that's why you got to have a strategy.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Gonzo. And we're going to show our listeners a tweet from Peter Brandit, who's been aggressively bearish on the crypto market. Well, now he's out here supporting Shiba Inu, saying that Shiba Inu has completed a reverse head and shoulders pattern, indicating that this price chart is about to go ballistic. This is worth mentioning for our listeners. Shiba Inu had a great pump, I think about 30% over the weekend, but it's not a cryptocurrency I'm super bullish on. Johnny, really quick comments on this article.
0: (laughs) <laughs> Can we talk about a real crypto? All right, so I guess if we do have to talk about this, I mean, listen, there's Elites playing this one. I don't know why they're messing with this one. What's going on here? I can't figure it out for the life of me. Shibo, Shibu, and Doge, and all these other dog coins. I, I just don't get it. I really honestly, if you want to know my honest opinion, because I'll tell you whether you want it or not, is I honestly believe these big boys are in the background going, watch how stupid we make these people, uh, the super. they are, the show, we'll we'll be pushing around these dumb dog coins that have no utility and mean nothing, and watch how we get them all to follow and we steal their money off of it. I, I honestly believe that's what's happening. I own very little bit of it, only when it was pumping early on before it had the big pump. And Doge. I'm sitting on a little bit of that too because I think they're going to play the elites uh play it again. But these are just to me useless, wasteless coins that I think in the end when regulation comes, I think you're gonna find that they're gonna go away. But I don't know. I'm curious to see what you guys think.
1: We're not even gonna ask them what they think because we have a <laughs> better we have a better article. I do appreciate your comments, Johnny Crypto. We got 261 live listeners. Show us some love, smash that like button. We are showing you a tweet from Crypto Mason. Yeah, okay. Another great crypto educator in the space, breaking down the top five cryptocurrencies by market cap. One of the things that clearly sticks out to me here is one, XRP slowly fell out of the top five. But number two is that stable coins take up the majority of these spots. I'd love to hear from Andrew Cashflow. Andrew, what does this indicate to you and how long do you think that stable coins are going to be the most prominent currencies in the top five? When are we going to see currencies like ADA, XRP, and maybe some other utility coins take over in the top five?
3: Difficult to say, especially in this this bull market at this moment. Um, you know, there there is just too too less. Yeah, to my opinion, there is too less liquidity at the moment to to pump the whole, the whole stuff. So uh, I think the these this this there is a there is a big search at the moment too for for stable coins and how, how to to do that. Is it regulated, unregulated? Is it uh, based on technology or not? So I think it it will it will. It will keep on going a little bit further in the time and maybe when when the when we are in 23 next year I think you will see that stable coins will go out a little bit because people are more going into other cryptocurrencies so that, that, that's my idea.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Andrew Cashflow. And we are showing a tweet from the one, the only Mr. Johnny Crypto live on Twitter talking about how this Wednesday we are having billionaire hedge fund investor Mark Yasko join this show. He has outperformed the market for over two decades. And if you guys don't know who he is, type it in Google. Give it a quick Google. This man, he is top tier when it comes to finances and when it comes to managing through these American markets. But we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. Thank you to Andrew Cashflow. Thank you to Johnny Crypto. And thank you to Super G Gonzo this morning. We got 250 live listeners. Smash that like button on your way out of here. And we'll see you guys in 23 hours. Like we always say, Warriors, guys. Keep your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining.
2: Let's go. Let's go. Great show, guys.